0: Welcome to Mountain Mamas Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share, from the zany to the inspirational. Brought to you by Mountain Mamas, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hacken and I'm your host today. And for our guest today, we have the amazing Erin Pine. You may have heard her on previous episodes of Wolves in Yellowstone, Avalanches in Bryce, Everest Base Camp. Anyway, Aaron is fantastic. We've been friends for how many years? Twenty. Nice. <laughs> this is like our twenty-year anniversary, right?
1: Our twenty-year friendiversary.
0: Friendiversary. Yep. <laughs> Aaron is married, has three kids, and lives in Provo, and is currently working for um, kind of their family business of doing Normandy knives. What do you do for them?
1: Fulfillment, build knives, ship them out any repairs. Organization help Jeremy remember things.
0: <laughs> Your husband. <laughs> Fantastic. Aaron just barely learned how to ski a few years ago and um, like really perfected it and got a um, you got a season pass to Sundance and skied almost every single day this winter. It was insane.
1: That was pretty fun. Yeah. I can, I can out ski my husband now which was which was always the I'd Sorry, Jeremy, but I didn't like to ski with you before because I always felt like I was holding you back. Um, but, but, yeah, now I can now ski him. and That feels, I don't know, pretty cool.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we wanted to share with you today an incredible adventure that we had back in 2005, in the spring of 2005, where we attempted to kayak the Escalante River. Now, the Escalante River is located in southern Utah, and it's normally only 5 to 10 um, CFS cubic feet per second, so like a little trickle. But Aaron had heard from work that this was the spring, like the runoff was going to be insane, Um, and it was going at about 300, and so this was the time to float the whole like 83 miles um, that it goes down into Lake Powell. And so we would put in... Um, in the Escalante area and come out almost before Lake Powell. And it was going to be epic. I think we were thinking four days or something.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that we share this particular story um, at this time um, because Utah's had such a crazy uh, snow winter. We've, we've gotten record amount of snowfall and are now having um, incredible runoff, uh, mud, slush, um, destruction season. Um, and so, um, let this maybe be a warning to some of you who think this episode is a cool thing to go try. Um, just know that, that it's going to be even more, um, epic than when, when we did it all those years ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Spring runoff is no joke. Absolutely. So we were naive and just said, we would just go for it. She had a coworker who had done it and he said it would be amazing. So we just went for it. So, we rented some kayaks from our local university; these two-man inflatable kayaks. And we drove down, and ended up. I think we checked into the Escalante Ranger Station, and got a map of the river. And they had a ranger who had just gone by a week before, and supposedly had like marked out all the obstacles and things to watch out for. So we felt pretty prepped.
1: We went. At, we we had driven two cars down so that we could set up a shuttle. So we drove both cars down Hole in the Rock Road.
0: And we were young and we only had one SUV and a car. (laughs) And and the Hole in the Rock Road is already like 50 miles of washboard to going from kind of the highway down to um, Hole in the Rock area, which is almost to Lake Powell. So it's already a hard road. And then it has some washes that you have to go through. And then there's the turnoff to 40 mile um, trailhead, which is what we were going to do. It's like seven miles, I think. And the first bit is okay, but then the last few miles are just pure sand, which we didn't know. And so I remember just telling Aaron, you just keep driving. And I was, well, I was in the car behind. And so I was just like, just keep driving, Erin. And I'm just gonna gun it. And um, I learned pretty quickly that if I stayed in the road, the car was gonna get stuck. So I actually ended up driving the road onto the side and in the sagebrush, the undercarriage was not happy, but at least I had traction. And felt so excited um, when I was the only car in the trailhead. (laughs) So we left the truck there at the trailhead. And we had the kayaks and everything in the car. And luckily on the way back, it was downhill slightly. But we literally had like paddles sticking out of the window. Is that right? Yeah, the
1: paddles didn't break down. And they were too long for your car. You had had like a little... um, Toyota Salica. (laughs) Two-door. Like, you know,
0: GT sports car that I got from my dad.
1: So we had to drive with the r- windows rolled down, so we could stick the paddles across and sticking out either side of the window, so it looked like we had wings.
0: <laughs> and the kayaks we were able to break down because they were inflatable, so we just rolled them up and they were in the trunk. But oh my gosh, yeah, that was really sketchy getting in and out of that trailhead. <laughs> and then we also did this trip with our friend Catherine. So there's three of us and she was like great and gunning for any kind of adventure and had done so many crazy adventures. So we were so glad to have her. So we um, ended up just parking somewhere on the Hole in the Rock Road and camped for the night once we got the truck shuttle set up and just chilled.
1: It's off Highway 12, like a little pullout area. I don't think you should have camped there, but we did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then the next morning was when we were going to start our adventure. So we started our we put in our kayaks at the confluence of calf Creek and Escalani River. and there was a bridge there, and so there was a parking lot, and we were just gonna put our kayaks in right above the bridge. pumped up our kayaks. What were your thoughts on the river when we saw it for the first time? Well, we
1: kind of pumped them up in the in the parking area and then walked them down to the river's edge. And that's you know, when we really saw the river for the first time <laughs> <laughs> and this river that's normally, uh, I mean, I walked this as a kid with my family, ankle deep. Not even—I don't even think there were any places where it was calf deep. And this thing was just raging. It was like chocolate milk swirling down, just overflowing its banks. Hearing hearing that volume of water underneath a bridge, where where everything is a lot louder, um, you know, makes you makes you kind of think, guess what? You're <laughs> about to go do.
0: We were full of optimism. I remember, like, telling Kath- Catherine had a lot of apprehension. And I was like, we'll be fine, Catherine. I'll ride in the kayak with you. And then Erin took the second kayak by herself. And we were like, it'll be fine, Erin. We totally got this. It's okay. <laughs> you always
1: mean one in the group that, that, that just throws caution to the wind and pulls everyone else into it.
0: <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> so we get into the river. And... Um, we start heading down, and it's yeah, it's just like running fast, and we are surrounded because the river had risen so fast. the The sides were just choked with willows and Russian olives. Um, and if anyone knows what a Russian olive tree is, like try and grab one. It's super not fun. I think Aaron still has scars.
1: They ha- they have thorns that are like one to two inches long. Nasty. And when when you're are just walking in the river normally it, it's fine because there's a bank on either side but when there is no bank and you are in an elevated position and, and you're trying to figure out how to you know orient the kayak and go through all the bends and you end up hitting the bushes a lot and, and they are just unforgiving.
0: They would just slice your skin. It was so awful. And we still didn't know what we were doing. We should have prefaced with the fact that we have no idea what we're doing. We're not kayakers. <laughs> like We just thought it would be fun. Thought it would be a float. <laughs> I know. That's why we thought we wouldn't have to have too many skills. When we try and pull our kayaks to the side of the river, if we saw something scary coming up, there was like no bank to come up to. So we would really just had to grab the willows or the and or the Russian olives and it would just slice our hands as we're sitting there holding the whole holding onto these branches to keep our kayak from going downstream while the other person could hop out and just run down and check it out. But it was so hard. Like that was Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you had the scars. So after a few bends in the river, we decided to take lunch on some wonderful warm rocks and take a break. Kind of regroup. And then on the map, but we, we had gotten a map from the rangers and it had no things, there were no warnings of any obstacles coming up. I think something far, far away. But we learned quickly that right around the bend, we saw this massive tree that had fallen across the entire river. How thick do you think? A
1: mm, couple feet thick.
0: Yeah, it was a hefty tree. And it was only about six inches above the water. Which meant that our kayaks couldn't easily go under them, and so of course Catherine and I were in front, and we're like, "We'll just port, you know, we'll pull out and we'll go around the tree." But we still had no idea what we're doing, and so and with the Russian olives and everything, we just were, yeah, we didn't pull out and weren't able to get it. So we hit that tree because the river is just pushing you, like you just. I feel like on a moving river, you don't realize that your thought and then consequences like happened so quickly. You're like, I should do this. Oh, then the thing happens. You know, like you don't have time. You have to see things ahead of time and prepare because yeah, things just happen so fast on the river. So we thought, oh, we should get out. And then like too fast, then it was too late. And then we were already pinned sideways against this tree, which is the worst thing that could happen. And we, in the two seconds that we were trying to figure out what to do, the force of the river pushed us and the boat under the tree. Now, the problem with this could have been if there had been tree branches at that very location under the water, it's called a strainer, which means it would have, the water would have trapped us under the, um with the branches on one side and the force of the water hitting us the other side, we would have been trapped there and drowned literally on our first day. Like it was so, it could have been so bad. We were so stinking lucky that there were no branches on that one section, like six feet of that tree with no branches. And we just literally just like, popped out the other side. And we're like. Whoa, that was exciting. <laughs> Soaking wet. Everything. And then we look up to see. We're trying to like yell at Erin. Obviously that you know. There's an obstacle she should be aware of. And you like were fantastic.
1: Well I, I, I was behind you. And I, I saw everything happen. And in in my brain. I immediately started back paddling. As fast and as hard as I possibly could. Just to, to somewhat slow myself down so that I could see that you guys, you know, I I hoped that you would pop up on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that before I did anything that I saw your heads and that you were okay. Um, and then I could figure out what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so since I had seen that you guys went sideways, I knew I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to get any more wet than I already was. <laughs> Um, So this is the part where I tell this story uh, and it seems like maybe this is from a cartoon or something, but this really did happen. So I managed to hit the tree with the nose of my kayak, just hit it straight on. And there was enough force um, in the river um, that the nose went just underneath the tree. And then I stood up on the kayak and I started jumping up and down and used the, the force of the river to push my kayak underneath the tree because I, I had gone exactly where Emily and, had, and Catherine had gone under. So I knew that it was clear underneath the tree <laughs> and that I could make my kayak go underneath the tree only in a, in a more um, directed way. Um, so I was jumping up and down. Emily and Catherine at that point had, had caught their kayak and had pulled off and were just kind of hanging out in the in the Russian olive brush um, on the side, watching um, for my failure <laughs> or success at, at this <laughs> obstacle. Um, so I, I was jumping up and down, watching my boat float away f- from underneath me, and then I got to the last...
0: But it was going in like perpendicular, like just like you were planning, yeah. which was so cool. I yeah. mean, you were probably using your paddle to correct it. and but, yeah, it yeah, was so cool. It
1: was just perfect. and then and then I got to the end of my kayak and I didn't I knew I was not gonna have anything left to stand on. Um, and I knew my boat was going to fly away from me on the other side of the tree. Um, and so I decided that I needed to climb up and over through the tree. And jump back in the boat <laughs> it was on, brilliant. The, on the other side before it got away from me. Um, so I tried doing just that. Um, one last jump out of the boat, into the tree, through the branches. As the kayak is going the, under uh, the as tree. the kayak is going under, the river is pushing it. Um, and I just launched my body off the tree on the other side, um, hoping that I was going to make it in the kayak. Totally missed. <laughs> oh, I thought you made it! Oh no, no, I totally <laughs> missed, and I was, I was chest deep in the water, uh-huh. and you guys had caught my kayak. Oh, okay. And um, I was amazed that I could not even get a foothold on, on in the riverbed because the water was just so powerful. Mm-hmm. So I kind of swam over to my kayak. I caught my kayak, and we pulled, pulled everyone back in the boats, and. I think we floated down river till it was a little bit calm, um, and then we, and then we just full on pulled ourselves out and cried. Cried. We we <laughs> hiked up to a little, um, I don't know, a little rocky outcropping that was in the in the sun, and tried to dry off and just like recoup our nerves and. Check each other out. <laughs> we <laughs> like, had no,
0: and we thought the more we reflected on this, we thought we could have just died, you know. And our yeah, it was we totally our nerves were shot for sure. And I remember getting in, and the rest of the float of that day was like pure terror around every corner because now we couldn't trust the map that we were given. And um, yeah,
1: thinking thinking about it now, all these years later, I I, I question why that ranger said, "Sure, here's the map. Go do it." Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, No, it's kind of dangerous. Like, when you
0: get that chocolate milky water coming down, it's got stuff in the water. It's got boulders. It's got trees. All sorts of things. Even in the water, you can't even see. You know, it's awful. It's so scary. Um. So, yeah. So, we re- after we regrouped, um, we started heading down. And it, I remember in my journal. I totally found my journal with all this stuff about this. It, You know, it mentions that. Yeah, it was just like a whole bunch of... We, The first day was a lot of just Russian olives and trying to like navigate boulders and stuff like that and get through that. And we, around the evening, about after floating about eight hours, we found some place to pull out that kind of had some sort of bank. And we dragged our kayaks out and, and cried probably again and had some dinner. And I remember filtering the water. You couldn't, it's like so, we would have to like, we had a handkerchief. And, then, and we put the handkerchief over a pot and we pour the water through the handkerchief as like a sieve. And then we would let that water settle and then we would like filter what was left at the top. It was so much sand. Yeah, so much sand that was going on there. So we ended up camping at the confluence of Harris Creek and the Escalante. That's what we kind of figured out. We estimated we had gone about 28 miles in eight hours. That's how fast the river was flowing. It was pretty epic. And then the next day we switched and Aaron and I were together in a kayak and Catherine was going to go by herself. She felt brave. And um, it ended up being a lot smoother of a river. I thought it was like I feel like the tragedy, the the trauma was done and now we were ready to kind of move forward. And (laughs) we still had no idea what was around every corner. Like I remember we looked up and clouds started rolling in. And we were afraid that things would get worse. It would start raining, all this sort of Flash stuff. Flash flood. Flash flood. We're in a canyon. <laughs> all the things. And Erin started praying, and she literally prayed the rain away. It was that was epic. I thought that was pretty cool.
1: <laughs> I think that's one of the moments in your life where you realize that you are on Earth for a purpose, and your purpose was not to die that day. <laughs> like
0: I have more things to do with my life. Like, yeah. We were definitely protected, I think for sure. I remember having a lot of anxiety, especially then on every bend of the river, we would hear, we'd start to hear rushing, loud rushing water and then come around. And then it would be like nothing really bad, but just like we were so shook up from that first time. We did see um, on the map, it said there was like a water, like a rock fall um, or some sort of rock thing that we needed to pull out our kayaks for. And it came on us way faster than we thought. And um, we saw, we learned that it was a really freaky thing when you see rocks ahead of you and hear it surging router and don't see the river further on. Like the river has dropped. We're like, ah! So we come up on this obstacle. We totally um, pull our kayaks out on the wrong side. Um, we pull them out and then we're like, oh my gosh, we can't get down river from this side, from this bank. So we had to like haul our kayaks up the river, um, pull them with the ropes and then float quickly to across the other side of the river and then pull them out on that side and then carry them up and over all the boulders. And yeah, it was a four foot waterfall, which if we were cool kayakers, we totally could have done, but we were not. Yeah,
1: (laughs) but not an inflatables with, yeah, inexperienced people. And (laughs) yeah, it would have been a recipe for disaster. But while we we were uh, going around that, we saw someone else coming down in a hard canoe. Oh,
0: yes, right. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They probably had more experience than we did. But I've seen plenty of canoes destroyed on rivers like this, so I hope they made it. (laughs) But we were just like, oh, good luck to you. (laughs) Well, at the end of that day, um, we ended up figuring out we probably pulled out at Scorpion Creek, which was about 23 miles in eight hours, which was still a significant amount of river mileage we put in. Um, Exhausted. Yeah. Two days down, we're already more than 50 miles down this river. It was insane. (laughs) And it's red rock. Like these beautiful cliffs were towering above us. You know, blue skies. I mean, it really was beautiful. I mean, it's an epic canyon. And then on our third day, it was just a lot of dodging boulders. Like we lost the Russian olives. Like the canyon, I don't know, widened or something. There was just like lots of rocks and boulder dodging that we had to do. And we were in that experience. So we were like felt like we were like those pinball machines where you're just like bring bing bing bring bing and we'd like flip around and crash into things and all this stuff it was awful but the water was a lot fl- um flatter and smoother but it was a lot deeper and we didn't know it at the time but it was moving so fast um but we kind of got in a groove and we felt like we were doing okay and then we saw steven's arch and we thought oh crap what the heck Steven's arch we weren't supposed to see for another day we had flo- um, floated like the whole rest I think 19 point eight miles in the last three and a half hours it was insane like craziness like that river was going so fast and so we realized that we had to start looking like we're already at the end of our trip oh my gosh like we need to start looking for the pullout like how to get out or we're gonna float all the way to the lake Powell
1: so there's a little a little um creek that comes out and joins the Escalante River at Coyote Gulch and it, it comes in kind of um, backwards as you're going down to the river so you don't necessarily see it um, but we're looking for Stevens Arch because that's a sign that, that um, we need to be looking for this little draw. I remember f- seeing it when we were floating and thinking hey look at that that's really cool is that on the map? Like it totally didn't <laughs> I was. We were not expecting <laughs> to see this for another day, right? Um, so there, there just happened to be someone at the confluence of the two rivers. I
0: think there were some kayak. I remember like red kayaks. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, oh, what's that on the right side of the river? And they were like, oh my gosh, I think that's the pullout. That's, yeah, that's
1: where we need to pull out. That's
0: the kayak. We think it's the Coyote
1: Creek. And it, and it was super duper shallow. We were we were hauling our kayaks up, dragging it through the river.
0: And it was cool. I have to say, like, when you see the rivers come together, like, we managed to get to the confluence and pull out at the right spot. And the clear water coming from Coyote, mixing with the chocolate milk of the Escalante, was just, like, so cool looking like that mixing of waters. Like, you could literally walk over two feet and be in clear water. But, yeah, it was so shallow. We had to drag those boats. It was so heavy.
1: With all of our gear. Yeah, I think each kayak was, like, 70 pounds. So... Yeah, by two, themselves. Yeah, alone. without stuff. Two two of those plus all of our camping gear and and the food that we didn't get to eat for our fourth day. Right. It was I don't know, it was like midday or so, late mm-hmm. late afternoons somewhere around there. Um I think it's like a mile or so. Is it even that
0: far to where we wanted to hike out from Crack in the Wall? Could be.
1: Yeah. Not, yeah. So not... we just
0: pulled the kayaks up the uh, the coyote river till where we wanted to hike out.
1: And it was hot. Too hot. Dry, just dry heat. And uh, we were packing up all of our stuff, rolling, rolling up the kayaks so that we could <laughs> carry them up this two-mile sand dune to this crack in the wall area. And um, I blacked out. I, I remember um, everything just kind of went black. And then I came to and I was on the ground. And you and Catherine were busy doing something. Not being good friends? And I was like, um, I don't think we should go up right now. That's right. So we, we waited for things to cool off and, and the darkness to come.
0: So that's when we went and hiked up Coyote Gulch a little bit. I think we saw some waterfalls, came back. And once the sun had gone down, that's like, okay, then we feel like we can have, hang up. And it's like two miles sand dune. Like, so not fun. And it goes from the river up to the base of the plateau of an area called Crack in the Rock, which is um, like this upper plateau and the lower plateau meet. And the Crack in the Rock is really, there's only a couple places where you can get from the upper plateau to the lower plateau. And this area is one of them. So it's like literally like a crack in the rock that's wide enough that people and things can get through. It's probably only like three feet wide in some sections. But it's the only access to get to the upper plateau where our vehicle was and all the things. But you had to go up this two-mile slog to get there. I I remember, so Catherine and I had the kayaks. I think we took the ropes from the kayaks and wrapped them around like backpack. Wrapped them around the kayaks and then around our bodies like a backpack. And then Aaron had all the rest of the gear. And how did, were you carrying that up the sand dune?
1: Yeah, so you and Catherine just started slowly hiking just like. You know, you're just gonna go, and then I would carry everything else in separate loads. So I'd mm. carry everything that I could. I'd run up past you guys, dump it somewhere, run back down, grab the other half of the stuff, mm-hmm. and just kind of um, shuffle it up along the way, as you and Catherine just did the yeah. did the long haul with the with the rafts.
0: Yes. Okay. So, what was it like for you going up that hike, the two miles of sand?
1: Because for us, it was miserable. <laughs> yeah, it was it was exhausting. But I also felt like I needed to pull my weight. You know, I, I felt like the weak one of the group because I had blacked out earlier, and I wanted, oh man, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to be helpful. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a burden.
0: You were like the best kayaker of all of us, I think. But yeah, yeah, you did fantastic. I just I don't remember. Um, yeah, that's why I asked, because I don't remember what you were doing, because I was so focused on not dying. Up that Because sand is so hard, because it was like two steps up and one step down, like two steps. It's like you hike the whole thing twice. And the kayaks were 70 pounds, and they were rubbing our backs raw, and it was miserable. I don't even know how long it took us
1: to get up there. An eternity. Yeah. And
0: I remember we saw when we were getting close, because it was nighttime, we saw lights on the crack in the wall area, and we heard people yelling, and they were hauling up kayaks. So we're like, okay, at least it's possible to get kayaks up this. But we were so exhausted. We ended up just camping there at the bottom of Crack in the Walk. And we we're like, we're going to handle this in the morning. So we did that. The next morning, it didn't look as bad as we thought in the dark. One of us hiked in between the cracks and got above the whole section. It's two sections of cliff, So they got above the first section. And um, we had like a row. We were able to toss them a rope and haul up both kayaks and then the gear and then do that again for the second cliff and haul it up with the gear and get it all up. And it wasn't as hard as we thought it was going to be. I don't know. The other groups that had been doing it at night, (laughs) they were having a miserable time. But I feel like the morning light was good for us. Like It helped us a bit to get that up and over.
1: Yeah, I think think it was still dark when we were going through the crack Um, because I remember standing at the... At the top, at the edge, and looking back down at, at the Escalante and Stephen's Arch, and the sky was just barely starting to get pink.
0: Uh, I bet you're and, right. Yeah. And seeing
1: the big grand scale of what we had just come up, and, and be like, oh my gosh, we just did that.
0: Yeah.
1: our own two feet with all of this gear.
0: Yeah, it was epic. I agree. When we got on the upper plateau, um, it was about two and a half miles to the trucks, and We just decided we'll just do that in two. We have so much gear. We're just going to do it in two loads. So we just took half the stuff to the truck, came back, and then grabbed the rest of the half of the stuff and took it to the truck. And about died. (laughs) It's
1: it's all red rock, you know, slick rock.
0: desert. Yeah, we needed cairns Cairns. along the way. Yeah, it's easy to get lost out there. So we're glad we did that part in the daytime because then we could see our way and not get lost. And we're just stinking... Happy to be done with that crazy adventure. (laughs) And then we took... So we loaded everything up in the truck, hauled down that sandy road back to the main hole in the rock road. And we're just so happy. We had finished our trip in three and a half days. We had another half a day to kill. And so we had a scheme to do a slot canyon on the way called Egypt. Now, this choice that we made (laughs) to go on this... Ended us up in a crazy other adventure, so we're going to share that adventure with you next week. Thank you, Erin, for coming to share your story with us today.
1: Yeah, this is this is one I I often get asked about um, by the by the mamas. Um, I I don't know how they hear about this story, um, but I'm but I'm often asked to to tell it. So it's it's a fun one to tell. Um, a, cautionary a, a cautionary tale. Cautionary <laughs> tale. And just remember that if you know, especially this year, uh, I feel kind of obligated maybe to say this. Just be, please be careful with, with this uh, early season runoff, even even late into the season. You don't know what's what's downstream, what's up trail. Um, so much um, can just happen to to our wild places. Um, so just have extra caution. And year.
0: respect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to hear more fun, inspiring stories from amazing women like Erin. Go ahead and click the subscribe button. Tell your friends. Come check out the website, mtmamas.org. If you're around Utah, come hang out with us. We would love it. Um, And that's it for today's adventure. Join us next time. And as always, remember,
1: a woman's place is in the mountains.